oopsies. Oopsie Pope done it again. Oh, mm, interesting. Especially very interesting uh, uh, case studies to look into, especially in uh, India and uh, East Asia and Southeast Asia. Yeah, very interesting to look into that stuff. I would, um, if you're if you're interested in your global queer history, we've always been here, baby. We've always been here. We just ha- we had a third gender in India for so long, and then then they was uh, they took it away. They said no gender free anyway. They took your spices and took your genders, and they didn't use either of them properly. <laughs> Horrible crimes. Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm a discarded helmet. And this week, we sharpen up our psychic powers in Feel Japan with Netflix's Yasuke. Before we can prove that teamwork makes the dream a greater statistical probability, remember you can help us on Mortified, the Legitimacy Quest, by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for a monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. And speaking of our newsletter, the February edition comes out early next week, um, so we're actually switching to uh, a new uh, like hosting service, so if you want to sign up at uh, www.getreview.co, um, we'll put the link in the show notes, but it's it's a new thing, but it's the same thing. Um, We'll get your, you know, our personal media recommendations of the month and, you know, some some extra fun takes that we maybe did not have time to elaborate on. But um, with that uh, bookkeeping out of the way, Layla. Aaron. How do you feel about Samurai? Generally, pretty favorable. Yeah, I would say me as well. Generally, I think Samurai are neat. Um, and that is kind of the reason that we wanted to watch this uh, Yasuke uh, which which came out in April of 2021, I believe. Um, and we were talking about it, and we're like, oh, this was like kind of a cool thing. We wanted to be doing more new media. Um, we, you know, we 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 have there's a tension uh, where we don't want to review too much stuff that is from the early to late 2000s for fear of getting into our childhood feelings um, too much. But um, we we wanted to watch Yasuke, and um, we have. Uh, I mean, I hate to say it, but I don't think we liked it very much. No, we didn't. Um, <sighs> and that's okay. We're going to talk about why we didn't like it very much. Yeah, yeah. Well, this this is going to be a conversation dissecting that, so I hope that'll at very least be interesting. Um, I'll run down the plot real quick. So basically, Yasuke, who is a real historical figure, um, was a uh, black uh, African, you know, specifically, um, samurai under... Um, who, who served under Oda Nobunaga. Um, basically, he, you know, this this takes up after he, you know, after Nobunaga was, uh, you know, betrayed and, and killed. And this imagines a future, you know, like, with, um, I guess, the Mongols got mecha technology. Um, so there are mechas in this uh, in this show. Basically, um, this, this evil Hojo Daimyo has taken over Japan, um and yasuke is just like living his life uh disgraced not 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 disgraced but like in exile uh and he you know is just living in this little village but he meets this uh family specifically this little girl named saki uh it turns out she's like um 
she's like got psychic powers. Um, I don't know what to tell you. She's like she can shoot like lasers and like float stuff with her mind. Uh, it's crazy mind powers. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's specifically specifically yeah. what she calls it. Um, and you know, basically, um, her caretaker um makes Yasuke promise that uh, you know he'll take care of her. Uh, you know, caretaker dies. Um, you know, a bunch of weird mercs show up to try to capture her. Um, but Yasuke, you know, fights them off initially, but then gets captured and brought before this guy who is a Catholic priest. Um, but then he is like pretty quickly dispatched when uh, Saki gets control of her powers. Um, and then the daimyo comes for Saki. There's uh, several big extended uh, like battle sequences, but in the end, Yasuke and Saki. Um, you know, go to the daimyo, uh, defeat her. She's like a big centipede late spider lady, uh, together with, uh, you know, Saki's psychic powers and Yasuke's, um, sword using, um, they defeat the daimyo. Um, basically it's happily ever after. Um, it's, there's a lot of other, like, there's a lot of flashbacks to Yasuke's past when he was serving with Nobunaga and like the people he met along the way that kind of color some of the other characters that we'll talk about. But, um, yeah, I mean that's basically it. Um it's a pretty it's only 6 episodes. It's not a hugely it was it wasn't a huge lift. I mean, I you know, it's it's maybe 3 hours total if you watch them uh completely, you know, front to back. Um but yeah, Layla, uh do you have any other plot points that I should bring up before we talk about characters? Uh not really. Uh later we'll get into like the 6 episodes thing and just like writing for a short series because there was a part of me that was ready for this to end on a cliffhanger and be ready for a season two no it's like that's it <laughs> you get six episodes which is you know basically a feature film it's just literally it's just over two hours um so yeah uh, i think i think we can just jump right in and talk about um i would be interested also in in just like you know, when we talk about characters, obviously we're starting with Yasuke. I, I am interested in just clarifying that, like, again, like you said, this is a real person that existed. Um, he is... It is unclear what country in Africa specifically he is from. There is some speculation he might be from Mozambique. Um, there's a couple other, like, contenders. Um, I believe the article I read mentioned he spoke Swahili, so so he might be from, from regions that speak Swahili. Um, but he was, as you said, like very respected and he got to be one of the select 10 people who like dined with Nobunaga. He was a poet. He liked the arts, which is like a very, very interesting historical figure. Um, but how did you feel about fictional Yasuke? I mean, he was pretty good. I, I think that it's, it's a pretty standard thing to say that protagonists are not necessarily the most interesting characters in any um, fictional story. And I think that's largely, largely true for uh, Ariaske. He's, you know, I, I think he has some depth, right? When we talk about his, his conflicting feelings about, you know, how, what happened when he served with Nobunaga and like the, the feelings he had for one of uh, Nobunaga's other retainers, um, whose name was Natsumaru, I believe, the, the geisha. Um, and you know how she helped, you know, she, she was trying to betray Nobunaga, it seemed like, but then Yasuke, you know, fought her and then eventually killed her, but he also had mixed feelings about that. Um, so there is some, some background stuff, but largely, you know, he, he seems like a nice guy who, who he, there's another little kid who I believe uh, his name, uh, Ichika. Um, and he, you know, he like 
tolerates this little kid who wants to be a samurai. Um, I think Ichiko's the mom. I think Ichiro. No, you're right. Ichiro. Ichiro. Yeah. Yes, you're right. I was going to say Ichigo, and I was like, that's the bleach guy. That's not right. Um, and but no. strawberry. Yeah. Uh, Ichiro is like just kind of a little kid who bothers Yasuke and like tries to hit him with sticks and stuff. But Yasuke um, is just like too, too fast for him. Yeah, I thought that was very charming. Um, he's like, I think I described him in my notes as like a middle schooler who watches too much anime and like you don't want to spend too much time around him personally, but you respect the commitment. Like that's, yes. that's the big vibe he gives off for me. Yeah, Yasuke yes. was fine. Like I, yes. he, I think all of these characters were done a disservice by the pacing. Yes, we will talk about pacing because I think that is probably the weakest part um, and what ultimately makes the show fall apart. Yeah. Um, but yeah. How do you feel about our uh, psychic wonder kid, Saki? I don't like that she looks like she's wearing lipstick. It distracted me the whole time. Oh, I didn't even notice that. It's just, she just, it's not, it's just a stylization thing, but usually when you draw kids in an anime, you just don't define their lips because it looks like they have lipstick on a little bit. And she looks like she has lipstick on a little bit. I don't like it. And it might have just been a stylistic thing because everyone else has defined lips, but it was killing me the whole time. She looks too adult and she has really long eyelashes. And I just, I couldn't, I didn't, I couldn't tell how old she was. And I, truly distracted me <laughs> yeah i mean i would say she's probably not older than 13 um but yeah i mean i think she was fine right like especially once she starts getting into her psychic powers and is able to like do stuff and isn't just like a, a helpless kid who needs to get saved like then she starts being cool and like there is like a little bit of bonding between her and yasuke like where you know she, she like they keep talking about how they keep saving each other and she, she's like you know like i i truly don't need your help anymore i have these crazy psychic powers i'm fine um like that was kind of cute and then like you know when when, when they were back in yasuke's house um and and you know she like you know argued for why he has to go and take her to uh, mariske the doctor you know I, I thought there was like a potential for some rapport there but uh, ultimately, there just wasn't enough time for it. We we just jumped straight into like the psychic fighting in the last two episodes. Yeah, um, yeah. There were moments where it was like, like that part you referenced where where she in the forest is like, yeah, I have you know these crazy mind powers. I don't need your help. Uh, she did say one thing that worked for me though, because Yasuke asked her, he's like, okay, if you don't need my help, like, why did you ask me to come? And she just says, I didn't want to be alone. So yes. there were moments of like a really interesting character who is this kid who has these powers she didn't ask for and they're like really powerful and her life changed overnight but she's still a kid there were inklings of that and that's something i wanted more of but just yeah it was it was a pacing issue um yeah but her guardian uh, uh ichika is is next yeah i mean she was cool um you know she she played music at the bar um you know and she, there was something with this flower necklace that hinted at you know her being part of a secret society um that never really got expanded upon i feel um you know she was largely fine um she does die in like the second episode so you know rip rip to a real one she seemed cool i you know i, I think she had an interesting relationship with the kids yeah, Rip to a real one is she did uh, lose a whole arm. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and also, like, we never saw her die, so I feel like they're... I feel like it ended pretty pretty definitively, but I think they did leave an opening for a second season. Yeah. I am not sure if it got renewed. I don't think it would. I didn't see anything, yeah. Just be- Yeah, it got a really lukewarm reception, which is a bummer. I wanted this to be really, really good, but, um... Yeah. 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 Um, who's next? Um, I just lumped all the flashback people in together, so there's... Oda Nobunaga, there's Natsumaru the Geisha, uh, and there's Marisuke, who's the doctor. Do you have any strong feelings about any of them? Yeah, uh, I st- I love Nobunaga. Listen, I have I have concerns with um, fictionalizing the lives of real historical figures in a historic in a a historical slash fantasy setting. Um, but Nobunaga is a queer progressive king in this show. He is done so favorably in these six episodes. Him and his twink boyfriend. <laughs> it is... Um, it, it brought me joy to watch, even though the entire... Because, like, the first time you see him, he's dressed in European clothes. He's got this twink boyfriend he's trying to impress. He, you know, takes um, Yasuke off the hands of these traitors who, like, dressed him like clowns. And he approaches everything from an angle of, like, wow, neat. And I like that energy. Um, Not Tomorrow was fine. Uh, Morisuke was fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, to, to your point about Nobunaga, like that, you know, the fact that Nobunaga was a progressive, you know, kind of figure is just true. Um, you know, Nobunaga was was bisexual. Like, there's documented a lot. Like, he probably slept with Yasuke at some point. Like, hey! that's just a, a fact. Like, um, you know, there is a reason that Nobunaga became like such a powerful figure in in that time period. And it's because he had a lot of I- ideas and you know a big personality, you know, not, not to say that he was a good person. Cause you know, anybody with Imperial designs is objectively not, but like, you know, interesting guy again, like they do touch on some weird stuff. Like uh, we'll talk about it. We can't, can't get into it yet, but yeah, the historical stuff is a lot. Um, um yeah, just, to, just, yeah. To wrap up the, um, Nobunaga being bisexual point, uh, just as a, a point of, you know, if you're interested in the topic, our dear audience, um, it is interesting to look into when countries we consider quote-unquote conservative became homophobic, because let me tell you, a lot of the times, it's after the arrival of Christian missionaries from Europe, so... Oopsies! Oopsie-doopsie! Pope done it again! Mm, Interesting, especially very interesting uh, uh, case studies to look into, especially in uh, India, and uh east asia and southeast asia yeah very interesting to look into that stuff i would um if you're if you're interested in your global queer history we've always been here baby we've always been here we just had we had a third gender in india for so long and then then they was that they took it away they said no gender for you anyway took your spices and took your genders and they didn't use either of them properly horrible crimes anyway let's talk about the the best characters in this show which is the mercenaries true they are they are the best um ishikawa is the big scythe lady right oh hot very hot yeah she's pretty hot i mean that's about all she does but she's cool yeah uh haruto's the robot 
Yeah, Haruto and Ishikawa have the best uh, arc in the show, I think, because they fight a lot in an episode, and then they come back two episodes later, and they become friends. And then Ishikawa dies, and Haruto's very sad about it, and then he, um, Iron Giant-style, sacrifices himself and says, goodbye, friend, and it did make me sad. Yeah, yeah, Haruto is very interesting. He also has some very funny lines, like microaggressions between um, Yasuke and uh, Achoja, who is this other African uh, man who is like this weird shaman guy, because um, he's like, oh, that guy's black and you're black. Are you related? And it's just like, everybody's just like, shut the fuck up, <laughs> um, which is very funny. Yeah, there was a, definitely a, a lot of the creative team, including these microaggressions in a context that like really showcases how stupid they sound um which i loved i thought that was very funny um nikita okay oh so so pros for nikita she does uh very tall she's very tall very strong and i like that a lot i am i would honestly if she came up to me because she does this a couple times and she's just like you let's go have fun i'd be like yeah no questions asked. Not even your name. Don't care. Like, I would get kidnapped by this bear lady. Um, that being said. She is a bear lady, and she's from Russia, which is, like, so on the nose, you could build a fucking snowman with it. Like, <sighs> I, you know, the bear's fine. I don't mind the bear. That's fine. I don't, I, I think it's, I think it's bad, but whatever. It's fine. I don't mind the bear. What I do mind is this. So, she calls Yasuke Cherny. I don't know if you could hear my mouth struggling to say that word. It's pronounced chorne. One. Two. Adjectives in Russian work a little bit differently than they do in English. Because what they're trying to do is to say that she just calls him black. Like as a name. Black is not a fucking noun and race doesn't work the way it works in the West in Russian. You could say Chorny Chilaviak, which means black person, that is a descriptor. You wouldn't call a person just the word black. It doesn't grammatically make sense. That's not like a thing. It bothered me the whole fucking time because she did it all over and over again and they couldn't even, you don't even need an accent coach Go to Google Translate and click the little little audio thing to listen to the way the word is pronounced. Cherne, chorne. It's yo. I, I'm. I ask for very little. I think for my people, we don't listen. Make a caricature of us. I think we deserve it. You know what I mean? Like I get it. We're. It's Russia's not looking very sexy lately. I understand. I get it. I thought the vodka joke was funny when she came in and, and asked her a vodka and they were like, fucking what? And she went and seduced a dude and they're like, oh, I guess that's a vodka. Funny. I liked it. I, I, I giggled. Y'all, I get it. It's hard to pronounce. It's a different type of alphabet, but <laughs> bare minimum, please. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh. Dis- disappointing good character but disappointing execution died um, gruesomely yeah the most gruesome death in the entire show like very very gross and unnecessary it was just uh, so disappointing um achoja um he's he's a cool shaman guy uh he loves money um you know i think he's one thing that i will you know we should be happy for is that you know the the two black people in this show do make it out alive so like 
That is cool. <laughs> they do. Yeah. I thought his little bit at the end where uh, uh, Morisuke was asking him to to stay in the dungeon and protect the women and children. He's like, no, 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 no. I belong out there, not in here. And he's like, I'll triple your rate. And he's like, children are our future. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. right. Like, <laughs> So true. <laughs> so true. I'm always saying this. Yeah, the um, the uh, mercs really shine in this in this yeah. show. I think they're they're the ones with the most distinctive personalities, and because they're like only motivated by money, it's just like okay, that makes sense. Um, there's Abraham, the the Catholic priest, who is also like a weird, you know, parasitic g- g- lightning man. Um, he's fine. I like it when he got stabbed by a giant cross. I mean, yeah, that was cool. Listen, yeah. I love heady, heavy-handed metaphors. Pretty um, metal. But yeah, I I thought it was very weird to have like him like seemingly be the big bad, and they killed him halfway through, and then they're like, no, there's actually another big bad. Um, Can we talk about his brass knuckles though? Yes, he did have brass knuckles. What did they say on them? Domini Dextera. Yes, which mean Domini, which I think means, um, God. Latin for the right hand of the Lord. Oh, of course. That's very funny. <laughs> I literally ham-fisted imagery. Love it. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, he's he's a fine, fine guy. Again, I'm not sure why they introduced him as like kind of a, an overarching figure if they were going to kill him so quickly. But whatever. Uh, lastly, the the real big bad, the daimyo, um, also subhead with Black General Mitsuhide. Um, who is just like one of her evil henchmen. She has a lot of weird henchmen that just like get thrown out there and then are instantly killed. Um, but what did you feel about the daimyo? I thought she was cool, I guess, you know? Cool. Yeah, like cool design. It's about it. Just like a fairly standard big bad. She did spell out for me what they were trying to make this show about. Um, because at the end, when she dies, she says, this is what change feels like. And in that moment, I was like, oh, I see. This is a show about a world resistant to change and how sometimes in order to make progress, you have to use a little violence and to like stick to your guns and stuff, which, hey, I'm into. That said. That said. (laughs) Uh, I don't think any of that, like... There, there are a lot of conversations, especially with, like, Mitsuhide's flashbacks with Yasuke and, like, Mitsuhide being like, oh, you know, you, you're you a servant. You can never be a real samurai. And then Yasuke being, you know, like, sh- showing him wrong and being, like, the best warrior ever. Um, and that's all well and good. But, like, I just, you know, I don't think they they wove in any other... Right? When you start the show with big fucking robot mechs, like, it is very difficult to be like we're making big changes when like there's you know i think they could have done a little bit more to to hammer home those themes yeah but um let's let's talk about the pacing because i think that is really where the show falls apart um it's only six episodes they i think the problem is like the first two or three are very slow or not very slow but they're they're about the pace that you'd expect for a, a longer shonen show, like a like a Naruto or a One Piece, because they're slowly dripping characters in. They're they're there's giving them a lot of moments to breathe, which I like appreciate. Like there's moments where Yasuke is like fishing and going to the bar, and like we see little bits, but like we're not getting a whole lot of overarching world building, and like that's fine. I like that, but 
in a show that is so so short they they really had to start cramming in some more ideas later on and i, I think that really hurt it it feels like and i'm not saying this is what happened by any means or even speculating that this is what happened i'm just saying the the like pacing reflects a feeling of them having had more episodes initially having made a couple and then suddenly being told they have half the runtime um yes 100 percent. it it like truly the beginning was like so pensive and you spend a lot of time with yasuke being sad and you know you spend some time in the flashbacks and even the stuff with saki is like a lot of her laying in bed and, and stuff with her and ichiro and her and her mom and then all of a sudden episode three things just like pop off you made a note and i found this very interesting she does not ever get a training montage she just becomes saiyan like in an hour yeah like as soon as she fights the priest she becomes just incredibly powerful with her psychic powers which is just a strange transition because in the first two episodes you know she is like breaking shit with her mind powers on accident and you know she hurts uh ichiro um at one point and like she feels terrible about it and she's like oh i can't control it and then episode you know three or four she's just like splitting priests in half with huge stone crosses and it, we never we never really meaningfully see her gain more control over her powers she shatters a wooden sword and then and reassembles it from the pieces and uh you know lays it down on the ground like that is a level of precision and control <laughs> that somebody who couldn't control their powers two days ago like shouldn't have and if they you know there is a world in which you could make it happen like you could make it work and then un like explore the implication of somebody controlling their powers that fast and like growing at that kind of a rate but they didn't they didn't do that at all um, same with Yasuke. He he hadn't fought in 20 years, and there was not, like, a tint of rust on him when he moved. Yeah, yeah, I. it is very strange. And then, you know, like you said, right, they... It seems like maybe right because there it takes like three episodes for him to actually get his sword out um, and, like, you know, put the armor on and stuff. And I just... I really think that they, they could have stretched out the the line with this this catholic priest guy and you know made the story much more focused on that and then made season two like going against the daimyo or whatever or you know going against morisuke but like instead they they go from like this oh we have to go find the doctor oh no we've been captured oh no you know we get brought to the priest um saki kills the priest okay sure but like then the rest of the show is like okay we travel to the doctor we meet the doctor we find his temple of like psychic dudes um we there's another lady that shows up at one point when they're traveling there there's a big fight with her and she was cool but then she gets killed instantly by the the daimyo when she returns and it was like hey yeah i found the kid um and then immediately after that there's a big like battle sequence where you know the psychic resistance is fighting all the daimyo's like huge armies uh and then it's the end of the show um and then yasuke and, and saki kill the daimyo and it's it's just there's so much like stuff going on for them to like uh, just like power through the last half of the program it, it really i didn't feel like anything had time to breathe i didn't feel like i was i had like an interesting or you know fully developed relationship with basically any of the characters except for the mercs because again if you make your characters one note it it's like these this is who they are yeah there's not a ton of like what do you think they were trying to make the emotional hook because it, I couldn't tell if it was, like, 
just Yasuke's story on its own or if they were trying to make the Saki and Yasuke relationship more of the hook or if it was just like all of his relationships but there was nothing that like really dug its claws into me and kept because usually like you know I've been I've been reading uh, uh which we'll be talking about the first book of this series on this podcast at some point but I've been reading the Bone Season series and like it was written by an author who was 19 at the time. And, you know, the first book is kind of rough, but there's a very effective emotional hook in the main character and her relationships that kept me reading and like pushed me through to books two, three, four, three and a half. Um, and I was just, by episode four, I was like barely watching. Yeah, I was astonished that they got rid of um, Ichiro and um what was the lady's name ichika ichika there you go i was astonished they got they did away with them so quickly because they spent the first two episodes building up so much of like a relationship with those two um or i mean not necessarily ichika but certainly ichiro who like you know follows yasuke around and asks him all these questions and like yasuke clearly had some feelings for him because he made him a wooden sword like and then they were just like well he's out of the story now so you know i think i think that's a a big misstep to throw away a character like that um i mean like he didn't die but like they took him out of the story and we couldn't really see him interact with other people and we couldn't really really figure that out um and i just eh, i it, it just seemed like such a misstep yeah especially because i think that's a that's a really good point because ichiro is the litmus for how the community feels about yasuke yes. and saki okay. at any given point so like when uh yasuke gets accused of killing ichika by the priest the fact that ichiro gets upset and like abandons him in that moment and believes the lie that's you know that's a litmus test for the audience of like okay how does it you know how does that feel and i think that that's where the world building fails too because we don't ever have the locals react to the mechs, the magic, the any of the ahistorical fantasy elements in a way that tells us, the audience, is this normal? Is this new? How should we be reacting to the presence of, of, of magic in this world or mechs in this world at all? Because this tall Russian lady rolls in with a robot and a lady with her tits out and a scythe. And these 16th century Japanese peasants, like, do not react. And... I genuinely cannot tell if this is just like an everyday thing for them or like, or like what's going on. And it's almost like, um, you know, what other property did this frozen. This was my big frustration with frozen too, because I never understood what magic in that world did and why Elsa having it was bad. Huh? That is not the comparison that I thought I would hear today. <laughs> um, I'm trying hmm. to keep it fresh. Yeah. Keep you huh. on your toes. I suppose so. Um yeah, I mean I, I think you're right. Like they, they they say at like the beginning of like episode two or three, like, anyway, the Mongols invented Mechas and they're here now and it's fine. Uh and like now we use them and it's cool. So like, okay, maybe it's fine if there's like a robot guy wandering around. Sure. But like they they do react to her magic in a strange way because they're all like, oh, you know, she she hurt Ichiro or with, with her, you know, she threw him against a wall. Um, and then, like, it seems like, I guess they don't really explore it too much, but um, 
I think it's, is it Mitsuhide or who's the, Morisuke, his, his little psychic resistance. They, they seem like they're training and hiding, but then again, they're not because he also has a whole fucking army of just like normies. So like, I don't, it is very strange. It doesn't really like, at first we're supposed to be like, oh, magic is scary and new, but also like in the very beginning, we see this, you know, big psychic army showdown at the, um, at this big castle, um, and like the archers are like shooting, you know, laser arrows into the air and shit. And nobody seems to be being like, Oh wow, this is demon magic or whatever. Like we're not told how to feel about it. Um, and so we just, you know, accept everything as pretty normal. And I guess that's fine. It, it really is fine. But like, uh, you'd think, I just felt like a lot of this wasn't substantive. Like, I've done this, right? The my first book has has fucking mechs in, you know, a time before we had any sort of that technology. But I made I made that kind of the source of, of one of the conflicts is like people have to do a lot of work to maintain the mechs and like it's a big deal and they cost a lot of resources and colonialism. And like I, I never got the sense that like, you know, the the mechs were meaningful. They were just sort of there. And maybe that's just because this is like a very, you know, shonen anime, you know, there's a bunch of big fights going on. You know, the the daimyo's armies are invincible and unstoppable and no matter how many mechs you kill, they just all are fine. Like they just keep getting up. Um they have, you know, millions of troops to throw at them, but like I never felt like there was any meaningful progress like the battles never felt like they meant anything especially when you know at the end of every battle either the bad guy just got killed by the daimyo or the you know or you know you'll have a, a merc sacrifice themselves for no reason um i i just uh, i don't i don't know what the significance of anything that was going on was unfortunately i think this is a version of the frustration that we had with repo which is to say oh, that no. it could have been it could have been fully coolly you know what i mean it could have been six episodes of just what the fuck is going on you know what i mean like it could have been just six episodes of wild mech samurai fights um, you know, like Samurai Shampoo meets Gundam or whatever. Um, but it just didn't commit enough to any bit to like hook the audience on the world building or hook the audience on the character relationships. And that is a bummer because I really wanted to like this. I really wanted this to be good. Um, but I think that's this is a good moment to pivot into just like and I don't want to oh god this is going to be a, tr a tricky conversation to frame because I don't want to get into like why do I want to wear this I don't want to get into like specifically black creators playing around with like black historical figures in a, in a science fiction fantasy context but like just just historical figures in fiction in general um but like how do we you know how do we feel about the way Yasuke, the historical figure, is implemented in this fictional context. Yeah, so we talked about the fact that Yasuke in this show faces discrimination because he is black and he lives in a world where everybody else is Japanese and, you know, he's called servant by, um, like, what's his name? Mitsuhide. And, like, that's, he's like, oh, you'll never be a real samurai because you, you'll always be a servant. Which you know, historically was not the case, right? When Yasuke in real life was, you know, you know, purchased by from the Jesuits by by Oda Nobunaga, um, 
you know, he he became a, a man that was highly exalted. Um, people thought that Yasuke was, was good luck because of various Japanese beliefs in that region that, you know, likened him to one of their gods who was also um, had black skin. Um, but like, I think, right. I don't want to say that you can't do that. I don't want to be like, oh no, because, you know, this is what historically happened. You can't take any liberties. And like, I think they were going for something, right? This goes with your theme of, you know, change right if they want to be like hey yasuke represents the future he is something new that has come into this this world um and now he's going to, to change it and bring it into the the new era um like i think that's fine right if you're if you're going to make changes to the historical record you should do them with purpose and like I, they they did have a point um you know, uh, LaShawn Thomas and I guess Lakeith Stanfield was also an EP on this. He was the voice of Yasuke. Oh, okay, yeah. But was he also a producer? Yeah, he was an EP. Okay, yeah. Um, so, like, you know, clearly there, there are, you know, black creators who have a stake in this show trying to t- tell a story about, you know, what, what you know, being black might have meant back in back in the day. But, you know, it, I don't know. I, I feel weird about, uh, I don't know. Maybe I don't feel weird about it. I, I think it's fine, but I, I feel weird about the fact that they didn't make it more of a point to be like, yeah, and, and now, you know, change, you know, Yasuke represents the change, you know, there's resistance to the change, and then the change happens and, and there's better because Yasuke does go back to, you know, his his village, right? There, there's not a whole lot of, you know, new stuff happening right uh, again maybe this ties in with the mechs right i think they could have done something with change and how the mechs are a change i i don't know but you know i think it's fine to make these kind of changes to the historical record but um you know i i wish they had been you know maybe i'm maybe i just need to be spoon fed i don't know <laughs> <laughs> right i think there were a couple of things um it's hard to watch yasuke and i noticed this a couple of times it's hard to watch it if you don't have any historical context for like samurai and that period in japan which listen i'm not gonna say i have a ton but i have enough you know like we studied it in school for a while and and you know i've, I've read enough like nonfiction things to like have some familiarity with with that time period and and its conventions if if you don't have any context for samurai the samurai code what their function was in society their relationships to the feudal lords um ritual suicide the show is a little insane because it doesn't do any work to explain the um historical context and the historical relationships or the fantasy elements that it throws at you um and divorced from the historical implications it's even more confusing than it than it could be um, and you have to keep in mind the context in which this show itself was being created, which is right in the aftermath of the George Floyd protests. And I thought there was a really meaningful passage in an essay by Warren A. Stanislaus, who is a, Warren A. Stanislaus is a black PhD candidate in modern Japanese history. Um, and he wrote an essay called The Significance of Yasuke, the Black Samurai. 
and the passage reads, Entrusted with the fearsome katana sword, the armored black samurai is a potent image that disrupts these stereotypes. As a samurai, Yasuke's blackness becomes imbued with the qualities that are associated with the warrior class, such as honor, self-control, mastery, respect, and loyalty. Or rather, the conferring of the samurai status affirms that Africans always embody these virtues. Certainly, imaginations of the zen-like Japanese samurai are often filtered through the lens of orientalist exoticism, which is similarly harmful as the contrasting image of an Afri African ignoble savage. Yet, the existence of the liminal figure of Yasuke, who is both black and samurai, unsettles the rudiments of such racial taxonomies and hierarchies. And this is in an essay that is, you know, mentions a very poorly racialized um, PSA in Japan that went around um, that was explaining the George Floyd protests that was showing a lot of the protesters as like very muscular, thuggish um, figures. And also mentions that um, Yasuke, who as a historical figure, again, he was, you know, in service to the Jesuits, um, had to have been some sort of warrior in his home country because he attained the status of samurai in just a year when people trained for a lifetime to achieve it. Um, so I don't, th I, I think I'm with you in the sense that like, I don't think it's necessarily wrong to fictionalize historical figures. I think you have to be careful doing it because like, you know, with Oda Nobunaga, as you said, anybody with imperialist leanings should probably re-examine those. Um, and he comes off very favorably in this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In real life, Nobunaga was a fucking jerk. So like, and what do you want? You know, to make another wild comparison to a children's movie, um, Anastasia really makes the Romanovs come off favorably. Hey, the Romanovs were not fucking good people. I'm not saying their children deserve to die because they didn't, but the Romanovs, the parents, probably a little bit. Yeah, there was there was a reason there was a revolution. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, really, really. You got to be really careful with with the way you you kind of introduce these things, fi fiction into the lives of historical figures. Um, but that being said, the stories of historical figures are open to fictionalization um, because they're stories. We we will never know the real truth of the actual Yasuke. It's been obscured by time, you know. So so using his legend is is different. Um, but I think my my kind of I guess the lack of attachment to this story really lies in the fact that I'm just missing a hook. Um, I understand the imagery that they're using. I understand the significance of it. I understand what they were going for. But something there was something disconnected in the actual production of this show and just never came together. And I, I really wish that this had a little bit more time and a lot more money to stew because um, this show is from the creator of Cannon Busters, which is another um, black-led anime on, on Netflix that I've, uh, I've seen a couple episodes of. And is also visually very, very neat. Um, God, I wanted this to be like, you know, like another samurai shampoo because we're kind of overdue for that um, kind of hip-hop samurai vibe that that show was carrying. Yeah. Uh, keeping that in mind, Layla, if, you know... When, I'd rather, when when Disney grants us um, that blank check that we are fishing for, um, you know, what historical figure do you kind of want to see immortalized in a similarly wild 
production, <laughs> perhaps an anime. Okay, so there's a Russian sniper of, from the World War II area, era. Sorry, that was mine, is the thing. <laughs> oh, are we on the same page? You're, you're talking about the, not, not Vesely Zaitsev, but the other, the girl, right? The woman. Yeah, Ludmila Pavlichenko. Yes. yes, that's, fuck. Uh, Miss Pavlichenko had a bonkers body count somewhere in the 80s. Um, and, um, Aaron, are you familiar with the, hey, audience, um, don't watch the show or read this manga. Are you familiar with Helsing? Um, only in the context that you bring up about once a month that it formed your psyche and warped you irreparably. <laughs> yeah, I am still hot for Integra. So, um, Helsing is a bonkers cannot recommend it it did not age well uh bonkers uh um show slash manga about a vampire fighting society and then it turns out that their big bads are nazis nazi vampires mass-produced nazi vampires um and they use <laughs> they use like they make schrodinger's cat a cat boy <laughs> and he's on the nazi side obviously um it's wait what? <laughs> wait hold the cat yeah, Schrodinger's cat is a cat boy, and he's like a messenger from the Nazi vampires, and he pops okay. up all the time. Yeah, he's great. I love him. Um, I want that level of unhinged, like, vampire fighting, vampire Nazi fighting for Miss Pavlichenko. Maybe minus the sexual assaults that are in that, that are in actual Helsing. I don't want that. I want the vampire fighting. How would yes. you how would you immortalize Ms. Pavlichenko? Um, I'm going to change it because uh, I, I was like, oh, Nazi. Yeah, what Nazi fighting. Uh, who is the coolest Nazi fighter I know? Oh, it's that lady sniper from from the Battle of Stalingrad. Uh, so I didn't know her name, but uh, I guess we were thinking of the same person. Very good. Um, uh, one brain cell, uh, two hosts. I'm telling um, you, we are we are morphing <laughs> into one person. <laughs> bad, bad for both of us, I feel. But um, I guess um it, it, you you the phrase in our outline is local to us historical figure um and this is gonna be weird but uh, so i went to indiana state university um uh in good old Terre indiana um and the most famous character historical figure uh from that prestigious university is uh larry bird uh <laughs> the basketball player um and i would love a fucking like what's that stupid show uh space jam-esque you know anime <laughs> that's just larry bird as he plays against um you know as he leads the indiana state sycamores um through the ncaa tournament that one time um until he finally faces off against uh you know whoever beat them that year i don't know anything about basketball but i think that'd be fucking wild okay but what corporate mega conglomeration is this universe in um, so we can't do Warner Brothers. Um, you could. Uh, listen, Warner Brothers already has, we have to, we have to make it slightly different. Oh gosh. There's only, there's like three companies. This shouldn't be hard for me. Uh, cause I can't do Disney either. Um, who owns a strange yet endearing IP that would be very interesting to have Larry Bird warp their way through? Um... I was going to say, uh, I believe it's toy animation, right? Probably. Yeah, don't they own the rights to Evangelion? Or 
they they own rights to a lot of anime i know that maybe not ava but i know they definitely own like a lot of shonen jump shit so i would love just like larry bird leading a team of fucking shonen protagonists like naruto and monkey d luffy uh (laughs) in a basketball game what if it was like a crossover between um what jump force yes what if we just put larry bird in jump force yeah hold on let me i know jump force is about to be like tomorrow is about to be unable to be purchased forever but let me really quick write a letter to shonen jump and be like hey i have this great dlc idea you're gonna love it wait is it really not gonna be able to be purchased i think so i think i think they're at least taking it offline for for something i gotta I, look that up because if it is i gotta buy it today because i think you yeah. can be le- mean to light yagami in it <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. Great. Awesome. Yeah, I would support that. I think. Uh, <laughs> put Larry Bird. Put him in Smash. Uh, put Larry Bird in Smash. We've all been thinking it. <laughs> I mean, Sora's in there. You know. Might put as Larry well. Great listeners. Uh, if you have your own wild historical figure crossover that you want to pitch to us, uh, give us a call at seven seven five five seven three eight 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 two. Um, a quick bonus. Um, do you know who uh, is a very, very famous uh, religious Rochester figure? I've got a bad feeling I do, but you're going to tell me. It's Joseph Smith, baby! Oh. Mormonism he's... was started here. He's from New York? He's, I believe, Rochester. <coughs> I'm pretty sure... No way! Man, y'all must have been so mean to him. He walked so far away from Rochester. In 1830, Joseph Smith founded Mormonism in Palmyra, New York, which is uh, like 30 minutes out of Rochester. Wow, he really had to go so far away from New York yes. to do Mormonism, huh? So put Joseph Smith in Smash. <laughs> <laughs> Layla, we're not trying to put important religious figures in the greatest crossover event of all time. Um, Where can people find us on the internet? Um, You can find me at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, I'm mostly posting gay wizards being tender right now because I forgot how to draw and it's the only thing I can. So enjoy that. Aaron, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at AaronSXL, where I tweet about health policy and tabletop RPGs. Um, I just released an essay about the, uh, semi-related to this, um, it's called Not My Daimyo, Looking at Feudalism in the Book of Boba Fett. Um, because uh, a little bit similarly um, to, to Yasuke, they, they take a lot of the trappings of, um, actually they don't, they just use the word daimyo in the Book of Boba Fett, and I thought it was fucking weird. Um, and I put some maybe helpful world building tips in for Disney to maybe try to make their, make their, uh, feudalism more distinct. Um, anyway, I also do another podcast. If you liked that Mormon, that, uh, Joseph Smith joke, um, it's called, uh, Bible boys. You can find us at the Bible boys. Uh, we did recently do an episode about, uh, friends of the show, Imagine Dragons and, uh, their Mormonism documentary believer. But, uh, tomorrow we're recording an episode about, um, important, um, like Christian, like songs with christian themes in american pop culture which will be uh very interesting so i can't wait for for y'all to listen to that uh our theme song is obsolete by keshko from the album filmmakers reference kit volume 2 you can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com 
Layla, after this uh, very difficult month of January, what do we want our listeners <laughs> to go out on? Well, friend, uh, sensors seem to indicate that you are dead. I certainly fucking feel like it. I'll see you all next week. <laughs>